cheers to Terry Fader of the famous Terry Fader Theater in Las Vegas. He's bringing puppets back to prime time, y'all. To Terry. To Terry. Cheers to that, a Bachelor franchise podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to exploring the big stories and questions that only a cultural touchstone like The Bachelor can inspire. I'm Stephanie Jackson. And I'm Josh Jackson. Grab a drink and a bingo card and join us on Cheers to That. All right, time for another dive into Bachelor Nation and its surrounding culture and questions. But first, we got to grab ourselves a drink. Cocktail of the week. Uh, In week four... Ben is walking around during the cocktail hour with some sort of sparkly beverage with a huge lemon wedge floating in the middle of it, uh, like almost like half a lemon, which made me think of another carbonated lemon wedge delicious beverage called the Gin Buck. Very simple, very refreshing, perfect for springtime, very easy to make at home. Just a combination of gin, a squeezed or expressed, ooh, expressed lemon wedge, ginger ale, and ice. It's all you need. Perfect for back porch sipping. We'll have the recipe for you in the show notes. All right, my little quarantinos, how y'all doing out there? I'm back at it with the M&Ms. I can't stop. Yeah, being under quarantine definitely, you know, brings out the the treat-seeking, snacking, eating our feelings kind of folks that we actually are. I bet that's how they are in the Bachelor Mansion because, I mean, they're stuck there. They barely ever have anything to do. They barely ever see Ben. And I'm pretty sure the production assistants go out and buy them any kind of treats they want. I would gain a lot of weight there. And they drink all the time, too. I wonder if that's a common problem. Yeah, with all that uncertainty, like, will I actually get to see him on the date or not? I mean, I would be definitely chopping on some turtles and some Rolos. <laughs> I would be stress eating. I'd be like, bring me all the macarons from the cold case at Whole Foods. And uh, yeah, lots of, you know, granola bars and pints of premium ice cream. I mean, it would be really bad. Yeah, I would definitely go home in the first week. Anyway, so yeah, episode three and four, for those of you who are just joining us, we are you know, under quarantine, we, you know, everything we care about, everything we love is being affected. Uh, no stagecoach this year. Uh, a bunch of, I mean, I'm hearing about the Olympics being maybe canceled. I don't know. But of course, that also has an effect on our dear sweet Claire and her season. And of course, my equivalent of Super Bowl, and that is BIP, all being affected. Yeah, probably no BIP. Definitely no Bachelor Summer Games, which... Winter Games was really great, so I was looking forward to Summer Games. So there's just a lot of really sad cancellations. So coronavirus, you've taken so much from us here in Bachelor Nation. Get on out of here. And you know what? I'm still not watching Follow Your Heart. (laughs) That is no consolation prize. (laughs) So what, what are we to do? We must go on somehow and produce something of value while we wait it out. And that means going through the classic... Ben Higgins season. This week, we're reviewing episode three and four. So week three and four of the season. First and foremost, one thing that really stood out to me was this. The theme throughout this season is Chris Harrison walking into a room and just not getting the vibe. What's up, guys? Whoa, kind of weird, awkward in here. Yeah, I mean, it's been clear for some time that he's been checked out, but 
I don't know. I feel like he's maybe more interested in like being part of the production machinations and manipulations lately. Um, when I see how just several years ago he was even more aloof, possibly, than he is now, which I didn't think was possible, but it, you're right, it is striking. He doesn't seem to be paying attention until he walks through the door. Yeah, it's like he's like, la-da-la, just hit the links, la-da-da, just completely out to lunch. Out to lunch, literally, probably. Yeah. So let's dive into this season, uh, starting out with a rapid recap. And I'll be diving into these M&Ms during this rapid recap. All right. Kicking off week three immediately with Lauren and Amanda deciding Olivia is a mean girl. This is a little thing I'd like to call an introduction between a pot and a kettle. Oh, look, another date with a plane. What season am I watching again? Turns out that Ben, just like Peter, also enjoys the toddler boy preference of things that go vroom. Oh, look, a random jacuzzi in the middle of a field. How do you even make that happen? Is there a generator? Is there an extension cord? I need answers. Back at home, Kayla gives her a sneaker on a gym floor impression. Is that about right? <laughs> Capping off the first one-on-one, we get a serenade from some D-list country singers that look just like Bachelor contestants themselves. And a little like a bachelorette party in Nashville, if I'm being honest. I'm pretty sure I've seen them lining up to take their picture in front of a mural and look oh so casual about it. All right, it's group date time. The girls learn some ball handling skills from a couple World Cup gold medalists. And I was mostly shocked that apparently none of them have ever played soccer. I didn't know there were even any other activities that young girls could do besides soccer. This show is really going out of its way to tell you how much you really shouldn't like Olivia. For one thing, she has terrible toes. Yeah, they were basically like, those little piggies should go wee 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 all the way home. The producers don't seem to care that much that a contestant is too injured to stand up. She's fine. Walk it off. We have waivers. Big upset. Amber gets the group date rose. See y'all, sometimes insecurity does pay off. Jamie describes Jubilee's behavior before the one-on-one date as Ako Taco, which is awesome. Do you think they charge extra for aquamole? <laughs> Zing -zing. Wow, another flying one-on-one date, even with a windmill in the background. Again, what season am I watching? Yeah, Ben was just blazing a trail for terrible future bachelors. Jubilee is one classy chick, the way she handles that caviar. Jubilee. That caviar is a garnish. Cringy catchphrase of the season. I ain't that white. Oh, dear sweet Benjamin. You are that white. So moving on to kick off this cocktail party. Uh, guys, two friends just died in a plane crash. I hope that doesn't kill the vibe too much. Yeah, this is really going to dampen the mood when I was planning on telling him about how I got bullied for my cankles. Amber has taken it upon herself to bring Jubilee in front of the whole Mean Girl Tribunal. And once again, we see what a class act Ben actually is. And we also see in real time the exact moment when he lost interest in and respect for Jamie. Because the look that crosses his face is, I'm having none of this. It's really not a good idea to pick on one of the lead's favorites this early. Come on, girl. 
After a few pretty rough weeks, Lace gets some last-minute inspiration from her tattoo. Well, that's the great thing about tattoos is that you can remind yourself to love yourself first before anyone else, and then like you can take a shower and the message doesn't wash off. It's like permanent. Jamie has some sage advice post-rose ceremony. Become a crazy cat person. Which just goes to show, once again, that she really doesn't know this franchise, which is very full of dog people. I mean, like, they all have Instagrams for their dogs. It's weird. Moving on to week four, we uh, start off with a big announcement. Ben has split. He's taken a 30-minute flight to Vegas. Very dramatic. After a five-minute long montage of the girls screaming their brains off in Vegas, we discover that JoJo is one-on-one number one of the week. We get, what, another copter? Complete with champagne shrapnel and everything. Yes, it really looked like the theme of this date was Vietnam. The producers really want us to know how self-confident Olivia is. Yeah, I would be so curious to know how many leading questions they fed her to get her to say, he's my man over and over again like that. Ding, ding, ding. We get our first fireworks makeout session of the season. Yeah, if things aren't exploding above your heads, did the makeout even happen? I don't think so. On the group date, we discover that wearing a chicken mask counts as a talent. Well, she was singing Old MacDonald at the same time, so that's something, I guess. You know, it still beats the crap out of Luke P's talent. What? You mean the talent of being brazen enough to tell Hannah B that he's in love with her on the first group date? That, that talent? R-O-S-E, Rose. <laughs> uh, speaking of talent, after 15 minutes of cringy buildup, we discover how talented Olivia is. What? You mean being brazen enough to jump out of a cake in your underwear and then look really uncomfortable until everyone else is uncomfortable? That talent? Going into the evening portion... I think we get the first words we've ever heard out of Rachel's mouth. Yeah, watching this again, it's very, very clear whom the producers prefer and who's going to be successful throughout this because I honestly didn't even remember that Rachel was a contestant. And yeah, this is the first thing that she said. And of course, it's on the same day that she gets eliminated. Way to shoehorn in that last minute bid at getting us to root for her, Bachelor producers. Kayla tells us that she feels shyer. Because she's used to being spoiled? Shire Baggins. Sour <laughs> Baggins. <laughs> okay, yours was better. Way better. Uh, yeah, she's used to having all this one-on-one -on -one attention. So having to be in a group is just so awkward and weird. And she just doesn't know what to do. It's like a humble brag. Also, I've seen her feet. They're not hairy enough to say that she's from the Shire. Yeah, she's no Olivia. <laughs> Speaking of Olivia, the implosion continues throughout the night and starts to create fallout with the other contestants. And maybe it's because they didn't get directly insulted by the puppet, but the other contestants should have been embarrassed too. I don't understand why hers was so much worse than everyone else's. Uh, Lauren B, please excuse me while I reach over Amanda to hug you and give you this rose. No, it's cool. It was like being in the middle of like, like a rejection sandwich. <laughs> For Becca's one-on-one, -on -one, she's getting married, and uh, this mountain landscape mural is super classy. They even painted over the emergency exit light so that it would blend in with the ambiance. Ben says to Becca, please feel. Feeling is good. You should feel. 
got a feel. Feel, feel. He really has learned so much. I'm guessing from the Dr. Love robot. What do you think? This date reminds us why writing your own vows is rarely a good idea. To be fair, I'm not sure what you're supposed to promise on your first televised date with someone on a reality show. Uh, I promise to to seem as into you as I need to to get a certain amount of Instagram followers out of this. Next up, an ad hoc two-on-one date. Sister versus sister. And featuring some disconcertingly overweight dachshunds. Are those puppies okay? Ben, are you sure you picked the right twin? For one thing, Emily's got this weird robot thumb. Yeah, what happened there? I think that may have been how he was telling them apart. So it's cocktail party time. Time for more Olivia villain edit. Once again, I would advise you, pay attention to what she says and use your imagination to cut out the crazy music they play under it because all of a sudden, all of her sinister sayings are way less sinister. Jubilee goes compliment fishing. I'm just a really complicated person and I just have like a complicated personality and I just know that people hate complicated personalities. Well, not in the real world, Jubilee. Like that's okay to have, you know, more than one feeling at a time. It's called being an adult. At the rose ceremony, clearly Ben was saving best for last when he chose Olivia. Yeah, he just has this secret language with Olivia. Like, you know, he just, like he blinks in Morse code and I just know it. And like, I, I hear it, I feel it. And like, he's just saying, I was testing you and you passed the test. Hmm. Like, like my own love SAT. And that is the rapid recap for episode three and four. That's about three hours of reality TV you just got in 10 minutes. You're welcome. Let's move on to some deep pressing questions. All right. So um, one thing you, you brought up in the rapid recap, it's super clever. It reminds me of this really funny YouTube video I saw uh, a while back where someone was illustrating how not funny and how not clever the Big Bang Theory is by showing a episode but editing out the laugh track. And like, if you're watching the video, you're like, you're right, I don't know when I'm supposed to laugh because none of it's really that funny. Likewise, with Olivia's edit, if you were to go back and basically edit out the music, you wouldn't know she's the bad person. Like, it's a very, very... I mean, I, I they probably copy and paste a bunch of stuff she actually says like he's mine he's basically mine and that might be even said out of context but aside from that she's just another kind of weird quirky girl like most of the other girls on the season well and i have a hunch and i was thinking about it watching it this time that what they probably do is ask her questions trying to get that answer out of her like for example, I wouldn't be surprised at all if right before the clip, the whoever the producer was of that segment was saying, Olivia, do you just feel this connection with Ben? Do you just feel like like he's basically your man right now? And then, you know, the part that they use is her responding, oh, yeah, I have no doubts about Ben. He's 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 basically my man right now. Like we're so in sync with each other. You know, she's just reiterating that confidence. She comes from a journalism background and like a an on camera. Uh, I think she was an anchor, a news anchor in Chattanooga, actually. 
before the the show. And so she's probably used to being very skilled at giving like answering interview style questions. So she and presenting herself really well. So she's probably giving very thorough, very polished, confident answers, but they make her sound way overconfident considering what's going on. But I, I, I'm sure that the producers were feeding into that. We should do a little more research on this because I know she went on a few other podcasts uh, during the season or, or while it was airing to talk about it. We should, I think she was on Here to Make Friends. Uh, doesn't she have her own podcast? Uh, yeah, and it's called Mouthing Off. Zing, zing. I wonder why. Uh, but um, we can do a little research on that. When when we get to the to the, the big finale where she gets... A, um, Not uh, the finale, but her finale. Yeah, where she gets abandoned on a beach. Um, <laughs> she's like crying by herself. Uh, we should uh, circle back to this and kind of get her take on it. Do a little journalism of our own. Um, something else. Week three was the... Speaking of finales, it, it was the the crescendo of the lace arc, uh, where she realized that she was not taking her tattoos advice, and she politely bowed out. But I promise I'm not crazy. And of course, she 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 ends up we you know we we know she ends up back on BIP, uh, and it, it seems like she hasn't really learned a thing. Um, she maybe needs another tattoo, but. Well, she does get one. She gets Grace, which is a combination of Grant and Lace, because she gets engaged, and then they break up. Maybe maybe tattoos are not really her strategy, I'm thinking. I always think it's kind of weird when people, like, tattoo life advice. I mean, this is true in, like, Christian settings, non-Christian settings, like WWJD. Like, do you need a tattoo to, to get you to think that question, you know? Or, like... John G. murdered my wife. I must get revenge or whatever it was from Memento. That was, <laughs> you know, that was handy. But I don't know. It's, it's, to me, it smacks of appearing to be deep while not actually being deep at all. You know, like I have the symbol of water on my back, you know, almost like when in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, like, you know, you have a tattoo of Buddha and a tattoo of the cross and a tattoo of this and that and this and they all contradict each other and you're not deep it's just boo shit boo shit boo shit (laughs) shout out to Kristen bell we love you very much i think she's going to be a guest on our podcast next week oh your lips to god's ears i'm working on it um does that make sense yeah it does it just seems i mean no shade on people who get tattoos i mean tattoos are fine um but it does seem like it, it can be a little bit of a, a lazy shortcut to appearing to be more introspective and deep and profound than than maybe you actually are. I mean, a lot of people just get tattoos when they're drunk and it's an impulse. So <laughs> I, I think it's not OK to, to clarify. It's 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 certain people like certain people that, you know, aren't thinking too deeply about much. I mean, just by just you can you can tell by the way they act on this show like. You know, the, the the tattoo is meant to be kind of a, a fashion statement and less of a actual mantra or actual uh, motto to live by. With Lace in particular, it's like she just spiraled from like week one. It's like you get on TV and like you just suddenly realize like, uh-oh, like I made a mistake and now I have to try to fix it by, by constantly bringing up the mistake. Like you understand 
the producers are just going to take whatever you do and make an edit out of it. So if you make a mistake the first night, but then you're very graceful and cool and poised from then on, they can't make that mistake into a narrative because they have to create some sort of semblance of something to make sense of it all. So like take a deep breath, have a glass of wine and and move on. And she just, well, maybe don't have another glass of wine. If you're, if you're lace, just drink, drink some uh, iced coffee. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 too bad. Um, um, it's become very clear that reality TV and tattoos are not her life strategy. Well, and when she when she decides to exit the show by saying that she hasn't followed her tattoos advice, it's a little bit hard to take her seriously. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say that she's like not smart or not self aware enough to do fine in life or anything, but it it just you know it comes across a little out of touch. That's all. So another thing that struck me in week three was that outdoorsy jacuzzi date uh with lauren b and uh they're having this conversation in in the water and lauren b says that like i am picky about who i date because of my dad and it really it really struck me because this is definitely a pattern on the show uh every woman who goes on a one-on-one date seems to fall in one of two categories either i came from a, a divorced family and they get told, like, you're so brave and powerful because you survived this thing that half of America goes through. Um, or number two, I come from this very close, tight-knit family, and I love my dad, and everyone I date is being measured against my dad. And what I find interesting about that is, you know, I'm not a hardcore, woke guy. I don't really, I don't really care. A, a lot of people I see critique this, like, what's up with, like, these women, like, you know, and their dads, and it's, it comes off very... Pe- patriarchal and blah 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 i don't i don't care about that kind of stuff what i do care about though is it's a very interesting cultural statement where you know it's very common for a woman to say i want someone like my dad but whenever a guy says i'm looking for someone just like my mom it's like ooh, it's it's it, it he's basically buster bluth at that point yeah it's like we think of the people who who whose mom uh carries a lot of weight in their life think of brian in Rachel's season, think of, you know, the man Peter we just experienced. Uh, they don't come off as people that look like they have their life together. They look like people who are, yeah, like you said, Buster Bluth. And it's kind of weird. Like, it's it's very, we understand that when the women say it. When men see it, it's like, ooh. I think part of this may have to do with the average age of the women who are on The Bachelor and and the fact that, you know, if they're 24, they've been out of college for two years, and they may even still be living under their dad's roof. He's definitely still paying their cell phone bill. He's probably still got a lot of influence over her life choices, and they're probably interfacing quite a bit if they have a positive relationship. So, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a good thing if you have a, if you have a, a healthy and positive relationship with your parents, and I can see if... You know, you have, if you have a good relationship with your dad, seeing that as like, hey, my dad is a good provider for our family and, uh, you know, a, a, a person with character and um, a good husband and a, and a good um, member of the community and, you know, wanting to see those, those positive attributes in the person that you marry. So it's sort of like a, an easy shorthand. And that's the most prominent example in the woman's life of that. I do think that fades a little bit the more you're living on your own and, and being more independent. I didn't get married until I was 26, which is still very young, but I had been 
out of my parents' house for several years. And so the comparison between men I would date and my father was not as prominent (laughs) as maybe it would have been if it had been right after I had, you know, finished college or... Are you are you sure I'm exactly like your father? You guys both like karaoke a lot, <laughs> but... That's about it. <laughs> and you both cry a lot. Is that, is that fair? What are you talking about? <laughs> but I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, date you because you were like my dad um, as like the first thing I looked for. So I, I agree that it, it does sound a little bit weird, but I really think it's just a shorthand for... You know, I want a, a man who is who has a positive influence on people around him and is a, a good family man, like most of these women have. Apparently, Lauren B's dad's primary personality trait is that he really likes his lawn, though. So, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, maybe she's looking for that. Maybe she's looking for someone who uses Scott's turf builder and has a regular mowing schedule. I don't know. So, Ben... How do you feel about landscaping? I'll tell you one thing. What that sounds like to me is that her dad is super persnickety. And I don't think that someone who went on a reality show as a contestant and then is now on a subsequent reality show dating 30 women to try to find a wife. It just doesn't seem like they probably share the same kind of discernment in their dating methods. Just a hunch. So so you bring up an interesting point. So you're saying that the most common explanation for why women say, I want someone like my dad is because their dad tends to be the exemplary adult male that is the most front and center as opposed to like a teacher or an uncle or a pastor or something. It's like, it's just kind of by default because that is the one they saw the most of and they saw the most intimately. Like it's right? Yeah, and honestly I think it would be really refreshing if once in a while the narrative was that. It was, you know, I had this really amazing coach or I had a really amazing older brother or uh cousin or teacher or something, you know, that was besides this kind of often repeated story about like my parents have been married for 400 years and they're so in love and I they cuddle every morning over hot chocolate. It's just like, okay, yeah, there's I'm I'm glad that this show celebrates, you know, long committed relationships. That's wonderful. It really is. But there are a lot of other people who influence our lives and it would be nice for them to get some attention once in a while. It just doesn't really happen very often. Well, I mean, the lead doesn't have to meet the cousin or the coach usually uh, during hometowns. But I think you have a refreshing perspective on it. Um, speaking of refreshing, uh, we can all use some good news right now uh, here in Bachelor Nation. So first off, how about those TikToks we're getting of Tyler and Hannah Beast uh, not being socially distant right now? Hannah Beast. Yeah, they're part of the quarantine crew. Um, I did hear that Hannah went home to Birmingham. So, you know, her her time in the TikTok quarantine crew is over, but... It was cute while it lasted. Other sparks, though. It looks like Peter is getting uh, a third chance at love. Um, Looks like uh, Kelly and Peter have definitely been confirmed. They are dating now. And also, as you do right now, they're also quarantining together. Not being socially distant. Uh, I think, I mean, as as an armchair psychologist myself. Armchair psychologist. It looks like. Someone like Kelly might be a really good fit for Peter because she seems she seems so much more grounded 
and self-aware than any of the other girls that he was dating. And, you know, Peter needs someone to kind of hold his hand a little bit and go, you know, this way, honey, you know, um, I hope this works out for him. Also, she's a real adult woman with a real adult job. And I think she could handle Barb, which is something that he definitely needs. And now we know we could have just avoided his entire train wreck of a season. Or no, plane crash of a season. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. And of course, big congratulations to our current Bachelor uh, during this rewatch, Ben Higgins, and his now fiance Jessica Clark, who got engaged recently. And hey, it turns out that she lives in Nashville. So, so whenever we're allowed to leave our house again, we'll keep our eyes peeled to see if we spot them around town celebrating. And that's about it for uh, Bachelor Nation news right now. Still waiting on Claire. I know she's getting a recast. Some people who are actually her age might actually show up. We'll find out whenever uh, that comes to light. Uh, but hey, as you know, COVID-19 means everything's disrupted, even our coveted yearly Bachelor scheduling. Uh, but we will do our best to carry on the torch. Uh, we'll catch you guys this Friday when we review week five and week six. And uh, hope you guys stay safe, stay sharp, keep your eyes on the long term. Have yourself a gin buck, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Make sure you stay six feet away from people. Only go out for essential trips, like to the grocery store or pharmacy. And please wear a mask, even if it's a unicorn mask like JoJo's. Totally counts. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.